Good morning. Well, there we go. It works. <laughs> um, just looking at the time, and I just wanted to let people know that if they had to get going or if they wanted to step out, needed to um, take their leave, then by all means, please uh, do that with our blessing. Um, what I'd like to talk about here is a bit about what happened yesterday with the uh, blanket exercise, but also some of the work that's going on um, with the Stony Reserve and the uh, McDougall Church. So I'm now on the uh, committee as a board member for the McDougall Historical Society and working with them to help rebuild that church. And so it's uh, a, an interesting process to become involved in. And so I bid you good morning. This Sunday uh, we is the Sunday on the Revised uh, Common Lectionary, which is the biblical readings of the Western liturgical year to mark the festivals and the seasons in Christian worship. Today we celebrate the reign of Christ as it draws to a close in a symbolic way the ongoing ministry and kingdom of Christ that resides on earth. It's a positive acknowledgement of that relationship we have to the seasons, but also to our ministries and how those engage in the broader public. And it's a nice way to close off this cycle of the year into what becomes the next cycle, beginning with Advent and the Christmas season. And so as we take a look at where we are at this point in time, we are closing out a cycle. And it's time to take account of that journey, to remember all that we have learned and experienced throughout the Christian calendar before we commend ourselves to the new year and the new cycle. And so today we remember our joys, our sorrows, and the many challenges and successes we have shared the many challenges that have occurred within the United Church, and the many opportunities that exist as we begin anew. Remember where we have come from and those relationships that have formed and gathered that bring us here today. Remember our relationship with the original peoples of this land. We commemorate this in our remembrance of the blanket exercise that took place yesterday and the opportunity to recount the past in a way that teaches us about our present, and what our future can look like. The blanket exercise is the first step, a walking into truth. It begins a journey of a renewed relationship with creation and with one another. Our scripture asks the timely question, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Beginning, meaning, are we beginning to commit ourselves to our faith and renewal, and by this act of committal, not merely instantiating the words, but do we commit upon our hearts that we may live out the lessons of Christ? And not merely in the, new, in the letter of the law, but in its spirit. Because the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. I was struck by this phrase, the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. For me, this is the perfect encapsulation of reconciliation. As we move ahead and and we begin adapting, creating, and moving forward, are we glossing over facts in favor of convenient narratives? Are we writing 
to stagnate or to inspire? And ultimately, are we asking, are we investing our spirit with the lessons that help us live out the purpose of our lives? Or are we refusing to change and refusing adaptation? That becomes a challenge today. As we look into the complicated process of reconciliation, it's a very different time every time. It is a dialogue. It is relationship building. It is coming to terms with our history, ourselves, and each other. One question I asked at McDougall when I started there two years ago was about managing expectations. I asked them, if I were to bring 40 or 50 people from my reserve into their pews every week, what would the reaction be? Sitting side by side in their pews, not contributing or contributing to the collection, sitting there where regular people have sat for years. We know how people are protective about their space. <laughs> Were they prepared to deal with the real-life consequences of change, or was this reconciliation as an idea in name only? It is important to think of an idea of reconciliation through... Think the idea of reconciliation through when we begin to talk about it. What does it look like? What are we prepared for? What are we opening ourselves to the opportunity of relationship building? But are we ready for that? Are we cognizant of the effort and the challenges or the rewards of our pursuit? Are we engaging with an open heart in a way that gives life to our spirit and the spirits of others? When I give this talk about reconciliation, and I've given it to a few uh, different churches, and what it looks like, I often talk about the example of Knox United Church. We gathered there last year, Christmas time, to discuss a hymn called Many and Great. And uh, the choir had directed uh, that they wanted to learn the song in the original language. Many and Great is a Dakota hymn written in 1842 in the Dakota Sioux language. And it has since been uh, translated and put into the um, Voices United book. The hymn is notable because after the Dakota War of 1862, 38 Dakota warriors were executed by hanging on December 26th, the day after Christmas. The war began over broken treaties and frustration by the Dakota people over the Europeans not living up to their promises. After many battles, the Dakota surrendered and 300 were condemned to die. But, 38, all, but all but 38 were given clemency by Abraham Lincoln. And the hanging, at the hanging, the warriors sang the song. Fast forward to 1988. The town where the hanging took place, Mankato, Minnesota, declared a year of reconciliation in 1988. And it took 10 years for the town to build a reconciliation park in that area. In 2005, the Dakota began, began taking a 300-mile annual pilgrimage on horseback to the site of that park where the hanging took place to commemorate the dead. In 2012, on the 150th anniversary of the event, the Dakota people and the townspeople held a commemorative event together entitled, Forgive Everyone Everything. Avril Looking Horse told the Mankato Free Press that day 
Today, being here to witness a great, a great gathering, we have peace in our hearts, a new beginning of healing. It took 150 years to come to terms with the past, to begin the process of relationship building and reconciliation by state, town, and indigenous participants. We taught the choir the song in the original language at Knox, and they performed it as part of their Christmas series with a full knowledge of what the song meant and why it was important to commemorate, especially during the Christmas season, and as a song of reconciliation. It is an awareness of history, an awareness of broken relationships, and how we can contribute to repairing broken relationships by our actions and involvement. And reconciliation can take many forms. I'm going to ask the uh, gentleman to start that video that we have. The sound might be, be too good. This is from 1977. The chief of the Stony tribe, John Snow, was once a United Church minister. He has left the church. You may not agree fully with what he says, but it was a common view at this gathering. Well, I think uh, Christianity's uh, philosophy is sound. The theory is, is excellent, you know. But I think the barriers, the, those who proclaim Christianity, are so narrow-minded, you know. And they're so narrow in their approach. If they speak of one God and one book, why can't they all agree, you know? Why so many differences in saying we're the only church and uh, we're the only ones that uh, hold the key to heaven, you know? They're so, this is why I say they're so narrow, narrow-minded in their approach. But our Indian people, if one person is praying over here and burning incense and sweet grass, another one burning cedar over here, incense and praying, and one having a, a peace pipe here, and another one offering a, a, an animal's heart or a, a deer's heart for sacrifice to the Creator, and so on, we'd never come up and say, hey, you're, you're worshiping the Creator wrong. We don't say that. We know that he's worshiping. And who are we to judge? Who are we to say you're worshiping wrong? We're just human beings. We're just little creatures of the earth. We're not to judge. Perhaps we come closer. Christianity in the Bible says not to judge, you know. But within the various denominations, they judge themselves. We're the only ones. He's doing wrong. It has to be done. You have to be baptized and so on, you know. It's, so there are the judges within that church, you know. And we, we don't judge. We leave that to the Creator. Perhaps we have a broader, more knowledgeable of religion than many other people that come across the continent, you know. The first thing I want to say is that he didn't leave the church. 
They always, they always, they add that at the front, and I don't know where he got that information. So there's always a United Church minister did a lot of uh, work on the reserve and was heavily involved with the creation of the uh, All Tribes Presbytery, which my brother was, uh, who's here today, he was the chairman for that for a number of years before the uh, the remits, and so. Uh, we're taking part in an event that's going to be coming up to uh, discuss the future of our ministries, our indigenous church ministries with the uh, uh, region. And those discussions will be taking place at the end of the month. And part of what's important here is in, in what he's saying. My father at that time talking years ahead to now. When we think of the importance of the indigenous church and where that's going, why that exists. I had a discussion at uh, Central United the other week uh, where one of the participants asked me uh, if the native students or the native children were being taught scripture, were being taught to read the Bible and this sort of thing. And the response I gave had a lot to do with um, we are reading for the principles that Jesus had in, in installed in people about the gospel and about better living and living in and amongst each other as a practice versus holding on to the letter of the law or the Bible in that way. And so that's why we have the scripture we have today. And that's why we have the video that we have today. It's because we're trying to understand in our hearts and in our practice how we deal with one another in things like reconciliation what do we know i appreciate the, uh, the discussion this morning um, about your experience with the blanket exercise and how that is an important thread for the uh, people and that it's one aspect of our relationship there are many aspects to our relationship one of them is when the Europeans first arrived here, uh, people like Reverend Robert Rundle in Alberta, the stony people welcomed them into our lands, and we sought to learn from one another. We were converted to Christianity in the 1860s through the work of an indigenous Methodist missionary named Henry Bird Steinhauer, who was an ordained Ojibwe minister who had been educated in the East, in the mid-1800s, converted to Christianity and sent here to form missions in Western Canada. Prior to Confederation, he established the first of four Methodist missions in Alberta that later established churches that still stand today at Goodfish Lake, Saddle Lake, Musquachese, and Morley. These form the heart of the all tribes Presbytery that's separated from Calgary Presbytery. And so now... As we come to the remits, we're being put back together. And so has the relationship changed? Has anything, have we grown? Has the talk of reconciliation really meant an opening to work together? When Henry Bird instructed my people about the Bible, he said, here is a good book. Take from it what you will. Use it in any way that you, that you find useful. And it can help your people. 
This insight was an invitation to delve into the Christian theology, to take part in and contend with European thought from our perspective. It was very different from other indigenous people's experiences. In many communities, indigenous people were subjugated by their missionaries, by the different forces, but in our area, we actually embraced that connection and that dialogue. Uh, one of the examples is my great-grandfather, uh, Jonas Goodstoney, brought the McDougall family into Morley safely because at that time they could not travel through Blackfoot territory, through Cree territory, directly here. They would be killed. And so we always talk about how they came north to Edmonton, Victoriaville, south to Pigeon Lake, and had transport to Morley. And so this relationship over time, even my um, grandfather the, the, on, my, uh, on the maternal side of the family, uh, walking buffalo, was a custodian of that McDougal church that burned down, that little house that's sitting there. He used to live in that. That he used to be the uh, person that took care of the, the church. And so the story of the stony people is a little different. When I think back to what happened at the uh, Central United Church, that phrase immediately came to mind. The letter kills, but the spirit gives life. And so how do we live out that reconciliation story? Here we live out our faith in the belief that the spirit gives life. In the Sony culture, each thing has a spirit. And each thing lives according to the laws of nature, laws of creation, set forth by Wakantaka, the great mystery. We live out our lives very similar to the teachings of 2 Corinthians. We do not pit Christian beliefs against indigenous beliefs, but believe each informs the other. Especially the teachings of the gospel and Jesus' message of hope, love, fellowship, and integrity. These teachings are the foundation of indigenous thought, and so a marriage between the great Western traditions and our indigenous faith where elements of Christianity can be found in our indigenous ceremonies. The Stony people took on these images, the symbolism, the messages, and the prayers. We have our own uh, Stony Lord's Prayer that is a traditional prayer. And this was not forced upon us, but adopted by the people and adapted for their system of beliefs. In this case, the reconciliation was a voluntary melding of ideas between the Methodism that formed a strong and compatible voice of openness and adaptability alongside the indigenous teachings. And the United Church is a natural expression of that openness and adaptation of a faith community. And morally, it's one of two indigenous churches that still existed, uh, that actually exist under Region 3. The other one is Musquatchies. I think we'll go to the slide. So here is a picture of Morley with the residential school and the church. The next slide. 
The McDougal Church uh, in 1952 and a later version in 1970s and then next. And then the McDougal Church uh, earlier this decade and a picture of the burning uh, site that I found online. And then there's one more. And then the work that my brother does with the United Church um, and the McDougal Historical Society to work with the family of uh, the McDougal family and the Historical Society to bring together people from all walks of life who want to come out and to learn about culture, but also to engage in some of that uh, remembering history and why the church was where it was and why it existed and what we're doing today to rebuild not only the church as a physical structure, but the church as a spiritual and communal place where the people are welcome and to build something that is uh, available to people like myself who are in training, others that we want to get into training, into uh, remembering that vision that our ancestors had about the marriage between church and the people and our connection through that of spirituality. And so that's uh, the words that I wanted to bring here today. I think um, one of the things that we remember at this time, this year especially, is the 20th year of the uh, United Church Apology for the residential schools. And that was in October 28th of this year. And it's important to know that though that apology went out at that time, it was, re it was rejected by someone in our presbytery, wrote the rebuttal to that. And the apology was never delivered to our reserve, so our people had never heard it, and had never heard it from the pulpit, had never heard it in our community. And I think it was last year, we had the moderator, Jordan Cantwell, come in, and she was here for an event in Calgary. She was to head out to Morley. The reason for that event was so that she could read the apology. She didn't actually, she, her schedule got changed, so she didn't actually get to do it. But our best efforts need to remember those words. The letter kills, but the spirit gives life. And so we can apologize. The written apology can coincide with reconciliation, but it does not replace it. And it takes an act of reconciliation from both sides, as we saw in Mankato, to bring about a real change that will guide us into a new future. The key to reconciliation is how we form relationships on the land, how we move forward and share community with one another. It's a lesson we must learn if we are to coexist in a multi-ethnic, multi-racial community of tomorrow, because it's no longer just a world of white people and Indians. It is a world filled with all manner of people, all races, all belief systems. And how we navigate that future will depend on how we, how we understand the past. And that treaty relationship is integral to understanding our fundamental relationships with one another. So 
That's the uh, message that I wanted to bring to you today, and I thank you for your time and for inviting me. <laughs> thank you, my friend.